How's everyone feeling? Feeling good? I feel like this is the graveyard slot. It's like after the first meeting, everyone's tired. Um, boys, make sure you keep awake. That's why I brought you to the front, so I can see your eyes. See the whites of your eyes. Okay, welcome. Uh, there's a few more people coming in, but welcome to this, uh, the first talk of a series called Fearless Future. Um, we're going to spend the next five days looking at topics that will hopefully challenge you, um, but encourage you in your faith. Uh, you're the older group, supposedly, so I'm going to talk to you like adults. Um, we're not going to pull any punches in this session. Um, and we recognize that you're at a stage in your life where you're going to make big decisions that will set a direction. Who here is thinking of going to uni in the next couple of years? Who here knows what uni they're going to? There's some very unsure individuals here. When I was 17, I made the biggest decision of my life. Biggest decision of my life. I gave my life to Christ, became a Christian, and it happened about six months before I went off to university. Um, and that's, that's tough. You change your life completely from the person that you were. You put on a new self. You've got this new kind of found faith. And then you leave home. Um, and then you try and kind of figure out what it all means in the context um, of a different environment. My encouragement today, if you get anything from this, is if you are a Christian, there is more to life than you are currently experiencing. There is, there is always more than you are currently experiencing. And there's occasionally some things in our lives that we don't do as Christians that if we did do them, we would, feel, uh, uh, we would walk in the fullness of what our faith is. Um, I don't know if uh, I, I found when I was 17, I became a Christian, I was all pumped and hyped, went to university, and it just went, it was a minor train wreck, minor train wreck, it was a big train wreck. Um, the thing that I wrestled with the most, if I'm honest, is the topic that we're talking about today, and that is the topic of identity, answering the question, who are you? The reason it's important for you is because Identity is really important in times of transition. Really important in times of transition. Um, you are transitioning in many ways. One way you are transitioning is you are becoming men or women. And you were boys and girls. You are turning into adults. You are still in that transition. Um, some of you more so than others. You're also transitioning in your location. So you would have, most of you would have uh, had a home that you, you lived in for most of your life. And now you're going to move out of that home. You're looking at a time where you're moving out of that home. Um, and the one question that people ask you when you're somewhere new is, who are you? Now, hopefully, most of you will just answer with your name and be civilized. But there is a deeper question there, isn't there? Who are you at your very core? The reason it's important is not just so you can give a good answer to that or you can know who you are, but your foundational sense of self is where you derive your worth and your value. Let me say that again. Your foundational sense of self, who you identify as, will be the place where you source your value and worth. And it will be the difference between you being confident and not confident, feeling like you're somebody or nobody. And so it's important because it is the source of our value and worth. Um, I want to encourage you that as a Christian, um, the life that we lead should have a trajectory like this. Trajectory means the, kind of the, the, the focus of travel. And so when you become a Christian, 
God's aim for you is that you have a trajectory, but also a velocity. That you live a life that is powered by the Holy Spirit and that your life is changed. And so the person that you are today will be different from the person you are in five years' time and in ten years' time because you are set on this trajectory. You see, the Bible describes us as children and we're being made into adults. And so I want to encourage you with this talk um, about who you are, who you are in Christ so that you have a right trajectory and a powerful velocity. You see, if we don't have this, my fear is that you become Christians, you make a commitment where you're here or you've made a commitment before, you go somewhere else and you try and then establish an identity and you're aimless. And worse still, you're, instead of being aimless, you're heading in the wrong direction. And then the velocity is just one of timidity. You're kind of a bit quiet because you're not quite sure of who you are in Christ. And do you know what? Being a Christian doesn't mean you're all timid and weak. And actually, if you really get this idea of who you are, then you should have a power in your life, an attraction. People will be attracted to you. And do you know what? When you go to, when you, when you go to university, there's something called a B-knock. Who knows what a B-knock is? A B-knock is a big name on campus. When you go to university, you always get the B-knocks. They're the people that everyone just gravitates towards. They're the people that um, you're just like, yeah, I want to I hang around that person. Do you know what? When you find and understand your identity in Christ, that is what you do. You attract people to you. Um, what we're going to do for this seminar is we're going to just look at a few places that we might find our identity. And this is a few places that we all, we all find our identity in these places. Um, the places are going to be represented by um, documents that we have in our lives. And um, each of them uh, have, have different uh, levels of representation of who we are. So the first place is your passport. I'm going to ask a question. Who's got a passport? Who hasn't got a passport? Okay. For those that don't have a passport and don't know what's in a passport, have you ever noticed in your passport all of the information in there you didn't decide? You may have picked the picture, but broadly speaking, you didn't even decide this. I didn't decide these. My dad decided these. I just inherited these. You see, the passport represents for us what you have inherited. And so traditional societies would, have, would, would, would define us by what we have inherited. And so your value and worth are derived from, are found in where you're from, who your family are, what your nationality is, what your ethnicity is. And I was trying to think of a good analogy for this, and I don't even watch the program, but my wife said, I'll tell you what would be a good analogy for this, is Downton Abbey. Who's watched Downton Abbey? It's the wrong demographic. I knew she was wrong. <laughs> Downton Abbey, I, I didn't even watch it, right? But essentially, it represents a kind of old time uh, when there was a really established class system. And so you've got people that were born into families that um, said you were a somebody, said you had worth, said you had value. And then there were other people that were born into families where essentially they were just screwed. They, they didn't have any worth. They didn't have any value. And, and what they inherited was essentially their lot. And you know what? We can still, a modern uh, take on this is we can, we can still have that in our society. Even though it's more of a traditional idea, we can still have it in our society. 
Now, if you are a black boy in South London, there is a certain expectation of who you would be in the world. There is a certain expectation from what you have inherited, the location you're born, the color of your skin. But also, that's not just for these guys. It's for all of us. There is an expectation that is put on us, we have inherited, and that we had no decision on. Some of you are pastor's kids. Do you know what? I think that one of the hardest um, things to be in a church environment is a pastor's kid. You know the pastor's kids are always the wildest ones. Because they're always like, I will not be a pastor's kid. Watch out for the pastor's kids. I was sort of a pastor's kid. Sort of. My dad was an elder. He wasn't a pastor. So I had a bit of grace. But essentially, you can find your identity in that. So the first source is your passport, which essentially says you are what you have inherited. Okay? The second source is your CV. Now, who here has a CV? All right, who here doesn't have a CV? Who here doesn't know what a CV is? You've got a long life ahead of you. (laughs) Okay, the CV represents what you have achieved in life. It represents your skills. It represents your accomplishments. And what it says is your value and your worth are found in what you do, what skills you have, what you have achieved in life. Um, I I wrote my first CV about that time, about when I was 17, and um, you never really know what to write. When you're 17, I'm going to say this, you haven't accomplished much. You haven't accomplished much. Your CV, you're like, okay, I need to fill this paper. Um, okay, so I'm going to put my GCSEs, all four of them. Um, leave out all the other ones where it starts to get lower in the alphabet. Um, okay, what else am I going to put on there? I put on my first CV, hear this, my 50-meter swimming badge. I was like, list down your accomplishments. I put down, so I'm going to a job. My first job was at home base, home base, you know, the store. And so essentially, you know, I had to be skilled at the till. Um, and so I'm at this interview and I hand over my CV and the guy's looking over at me and he's like, mm-hmm. How did you think the 50-meter swimming badge was going to help you with this job? Um... um I don't know, I don't know. I had no idea. The thing is, at 17, you haven't really maybe accomplished much with regards to a CV. But the thing is, um, you do have skills. You do have um, abilities. And you have the uh, opportunity to invest and to find your identity in that if you want to. Um, We've got one of the kids um, from our group. He's not here because he's got trials with Chelsea. Now, if he gets into Chelsea, that is going to be an identifier right? I'm a Chelsea player. That's a huge draw. That's a huge draw to find your identity in being a great footballer. As a young man, that's a huge draw. Do you know what? As you get older, you will find that you will find your niche in life. You will grow in your accomplishments. You will find it harder and harder to not find your identity in what you have achieved because that is where the world finds value. Now, my CV is slightly stronger in fact, my CV is really good. My CV is really good. I've got quite a good job, right? And guess what? I just quit my job, and I'm giving it up, and we're going abroad. And I've realized in giving up that job, I realized how much of my identity I found in that job. My title at work was a business leader. I'm a business leader. When I walk around my office, and I've got these, like, interns, and they're like, ah, I'm 
I'm a business leader. <laughs> Look at this. You could be this one day. In fact, you couldn't. But <laughs> So I found that as my accomplishments had increased, I found more and more the temptation to find my identity in what I had achieved and what the world would value. So the second source is your CV, and that is what you have achieved. First is what you have inherited. The second is what you have achieved. The third is what you have designed. Do you know what? We live in a culture now where social media allows us to design who we are. You know, you can just hide all the bad bits and you can just present something that is well-defined. Do you know what? You don't worry about how you, what you've inherited. Don't worry about those sort of things. Don't worry about what you're actually good at or those sort of things. Just present something on social media and get your affirmation and your value and your validation from that. Your fashion, your style, how you choose to dress, all your hobbies and your interests can be put on display and you can craft for yourself your own identity. So this is, you are whatever you want to be. And that's great, no? That's great. Um, Dave Smith, who's one of the other leaders at um, our church, said, John, you're so cool. You've got an Instagram account. You're so cool. I'm like, the fact that he has to say that I'm cool because I've got an Instagram account tells me that I'm getting old. Right? You don't need to be affirmed that you're cool because you've got an Instagram account. But to be honest, he's right, actually. If you look at my Instagram account, the underscore Briars, um, if you look at my Instagram account, I'm, I am cool. Trust me. Trust me. Honestly, it's pictures of us on holiday. I'm eating at all cool restaurants. I'm doing all sorts. I'm doing all sorts. My life is happening. The fact is, um, it's what we present, isn't it? It's what we present. I know what happens. And do you know what? I've fallen into it. I've, I've mocked it, but I've fallen into it. I take 50 pictures and select one. 50 pictures, and I select the one that's just got my angle just right. Just... That's the one. Take it, take it, take it. Then I take about 20 minutes putting on the filter. And the filter is essentially basically not real life. And then I put something clever on it like a New Day seminar, hashtag smashed it, hashtag blessed. Um, um, something like that. And basically I present that to the world. And the world goes, oh, John's speaking at seminars now, is he? He is smashing life. He is smashing life. And I find my value. I find my worth. I find my validation in that. Here's a note on this one. See all the, the other two? They were kind of imposed upon you. It was what the world says about you. And this one seems great to us because we can just design it. We can decide. No one is deciding who I am. Let me ask yourself this question. Who decides what you post on your social media? Who? You? Okay. I don't think you decide what you post on your social media because you think you decide what you post, but you will only post that which will get the likes. You will only post that which will validate you in some way. So who really posts on your social media? Who really drives the intent? Do you know what? You, you get to a certain age, right? You won't know this yet, but you'll get there. Avocados become a big thing. <laughs> Avocados. Some of, you, some of you are there. Avocados become a big thing. My Instagram, right? 
I'm having breakfast or brunch, which also becomes a big thing. And I'm having brunch and I've got a sliced up avocado on toast. And I'm like, I'm going to Instagram that, send that to the world. Who decided to take a picture of a vegetable on a piece of bread was going to be a good thing? Who decided? There's a wave. If you look up on Instagram, avocado on toast, there's loads of them because it basically says something about you. Look at me. I used to have cornflakes for, for breakfast. Now I'm having avocado on toast. I've made it in life. I've made it. I'm finding my validation. I'm finding my worth. I'm finding my significance and my identity in what I have designed. But it is not my own doing It is the secret voice of the culture around you that decides what is right. You can see it. um, Joe McNamara said it before in the the big talk. He said about trainers. Who decides what are good trainers? You think you're having an objective opinion about some trainers. You don't. I I used to work in advertising, right? That's where I was a business leader. (laughs) I know that you hear the voice of adverts telling you what is cool, what is cool, what is in. And you don't craft your identity devoid of that. You craft your identity to fit into that. Take skinny jeans. In my day, in my day, skinny jeans were a no-no. If someone wore skinny jeans, honestly, they're getting destroyed. Destroyed. My, my friend first turned up with skinny jeans. He was an early adopter of the skinny jean movement. And he turned up and we were like, what are you doing? Just ripping him, ha, ha, ha. Two weeks later, guess who has skinny jeans? Me. I had skinny jeans. Why? Because society told me. And there's me just like flexing in my skinny jeans. Like these really uncomfortable. But I found my validation in fitting into culture. You see, Instagram says that my identity can be whatever I want it to be. As long as it's what other people want it to be. So there we have it. There are your options. You can take that away with you. You are what you inherit. You are what you achieve. Or you are what you design. Or more accurately, you are what they've designed. And they may be true. They may be true identifiers of who you are. I am English. I am from Croydon. Um, I do come from the Briars family, hence these. I am white. I'm okay at sport. I have got my 50-meter swim badge. I do decide, or better yet, culture decides, how I present myself on social media. But at the moment, I'm pretty happy with that because my Instagram is great. There's two problems. Here are the problems. The first is, these are insufficient to describe who you are at your very core. They are insufficient to describe who you are at your very core. Even the great stuff, even if you became a Chelsea footballer, That is insufficient to describe who you are at your very core. I, for my job, I happen to have the privilege of meeting Usain Bolt. And um, I met him like this. All right, mate? Um, He's a big dude. And let's face it, he's the fastest man who's ever lived. Right? He's an impressive dude. He's achieved a lot. But his 100-meter record is insufficient to describe who he truly is. The second reason that is a problem is because the value attributed to these things are dependent on the world's view. 
the world's valuation over you. Do you know, there was one point in history where if you were white, you were valued, and if you were black, you're not valued. And so if you found your sense of identity in your ethnicity, then you were either in or out. Do you know what? That could change There could be a time when that changes. There is a time when all of these things change because culture changes. And if all of our identity is found in the voice of culture, what values are attributed to these different things, what we've inherited, what we've achieved, what we design, if they are basically the secret voice of culture, then we are tossed to and fro by whatever the culture says. Skinny jeans are going to be out next season. Throw them away. Get your baggies on. Nike is going to be the worst brand next season. Throw them away. These trainers valued at 200 pounds, devalued to like 20p or something. Here's a brief history of humanity. Humanity starts with creation. And it, br- it begins with a connection between the creator and creation. It says that mankind was created in God's image. We found our identity in relation to him. And as we know, sin entered the world and we lost our understanding of who we are. And history is marked with our attempts to tie ourselves with identity, to tie our identity with the things of the world. You see, cultures change. They chop to and fro. And we are trying, trying to find our value and our validation, our foundations, the core idea of sense of self in things that are always moving and are ultimately insufficient at describing who you truly are. You see, the world defines us, and it is insufficient, and then it values us, and it is insufficient. It says whether you are a somebody or a nobody, that will change the next day. You will be a nobody, and that person will be a somebody. It says you are worth something, or it says you are unworthy. It says you are accepted, or it says you are unaccepted. It says you will find your confidence in this thing, or you will lose your confidence you're standing on shaky ground. There was once a, 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 a painting found by an art curator. And the painting was obviously lost. And the art curator thought, this is a beautiful painting. What I'm going to do is I am going to uh, put it in a gallery and I'm going to auction this off to see what value I can get from it. And so um, he brought together art critics and spectators and different onlookers were looking in and they were giving their opinions and their thoughts on the identity of this piece, and therefore the purpose and the value and the meaning of this piece. And the valuations were based on the material, and they were based on the perceived craft of the piece. And they were based on the subjective persuasions of the individuals. I like it. I actually, I don't like it. I like it. I don't like it. And people were making their bids. I'll pay this much for it. I'll pay this much for it. And then a moment, someone walked in and said, stop this. Stop this. this. This painting is not for sale. 
who decided that this painting was for sale? And everyone turned around. The highest bidder was getting anxious, thinking he was going to lose his painting, and everyone was getting flustered. Who is this guy? And the guy says, I'm the artist. I'm the artist. This is mine. And he points to the corner of the painting and you can see engraved on this painting the initials of the artist and he picked up the painting and he walked out with it. You see, the valuation was not based on the spectators and the onlookers, those who would buy it for the highest bid, but rather it was based in the value attributed to it by the artist. You see, when we put ourselves up for valuation by the world, we become slaves to it. You become slaves to it. You will be tossed to and fro by culture. You'll be tossed to and fro by people's opinions. And you have no firm foundation. But don't worry, there is another place where your identity can be found. It's not the passport. It's not your CV and it's not your Instagram profile it is in this book why is it in this book because this is God's word it's God's word about who he is reminding us of our connection to him and it's God's word about him restoring us to our image in him you see there are lots of voices in culture that will tell you who you are but there is one voice that has authority that is sufficient to be able to tell you who you are And it is in this word. And I'm just going to look at a few verses just to affirm a few things. But I was told um, earlier that this room in itself is essentially a a course of looking through what God validates you to be. And you know what? You get to a certain age and you kind of just want to move away from all of the lovey-dovey stuff or whatever. But you will find that if you move away from that, you will find your identity in things that are insufficient and are unstable And you need to be brought back into alignment with what God says over your life. And you need to live in that. Ephesians 1, 4 says, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we might be holy and blameless before Him. The idea that you are chosen, if you've been in church a long time, there's a few things that are said over your life that can wash over you, and you don't connect with them, and you don't stand in them. And you know what? The whole purpose of this talk is not to just come up with something new for you today, but just to reaffirm what the Word of God says over your life. To reaffirm what God, the creator of the universe, the creator of everything you've known, everything you've perceived or imagined, the beginning to the end, the God of all creation says over you as an individual. You are chosen before you'd achieved anything, before you'd inherited anything from your parents, he chose you in him, that's in Christ, before the foundation of the world. 1 John 3.1, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are, to reaffirm the point, and so we are. You know, there's a, it's another thing that you hear, you're a good, good father, We hear the idea of God as Father. That should never lose its power in your life. That you are a child of God. That you are a child of the King. 
If that becomes just words in a song to you, you've missed the power and the potential in that. You see, the inheritance that we have from God is greater than the inheritance that we have have received anywhere else from the world. Who are you? Jesus says, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than sparrows. You see, God says over your life that you are valuable. You see, the sparrows were being bought and sold much like we are bought and sold We're bought and sold into the slavery of following what the culture says we should be. But there is a firm foundation in the valuation that God has for us. And we can know that when we look to the cross because you value something by how much you're willing to pay for it. And we know, and you've heard a million times before, but I'm going to tell you one more time, Jesus paid the price for you. So your valuation can be seen in the context of the cross. Who are you? Colossians 1, 22. He presents you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. You know, you are accepted because of what Christ has done in the cross. You don't need to find your acceptance elsewhere. You're valuable. You're accepted. You're chosen. You are loved as a father loves his child. Your achievements will be nothing compared to what he has achieved for you. The final one, who are you? Ephesians 2.10 says, For you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will bring it into completion. You, not to sound too cheesy, are God's masterpiece. You are his workmanship. You are his craft. And, you know, God's intention for you is to take you and to mold you more and more in his image so that you more and more may understand what it is to be found in him, in Christ. You see, the truth of who you are is found in here. We read it to understand who God is and who we are in the context of that. And when we understand that that is the core of our sense of self, when Christianity is not just an add-on, it's not something that you've inherited from your parents, or it's not something that you've achieved in yourself, or it's not something you've designed yourself, but rather it is God's word over you, then that is sure, and it's not dependent upon you. Your identity is not found in how good a Christian you are, but rather in how good a God Jesus is. My encouragement to you as I close will be this. Some of us, we are Christians. We have given our lives to Jesus. We have said, I will follow you. But what we have not understood is that that is where we need to find our identity. 
And what happens in a time of transition, when you go off to a place that doesn't affirm the culture that you've been in before, that doesn't affirm, like New Day, there's a culture of, let's go for this for Jesus. When you leave here, there's a world that says, don't go for it for Jesus. And if you listen to the voice of culture for who you are, who, what your sense of self is, you will move away from your identity in Christ. But if you decide to hear God's word over your life, it will be a firm foundation for you. And you will have a trajectory in your life that will mean when you look back to this time, you will see, look what God has done in me. Look at the masterpiece that he is creating. Not because of how great I am, but because of how good God is working through me. And you will live your life. I, I, I don't want timid Christians. You know, at my work, they all know I'm a Christian. Do you know why? Because I'm not a timid Christian. They all know it. I sent pictures from this place already. I sent a picture with my hands up, and they're like, what is that? And I'm like, I'm praising Jesus to my team. And they're like, who is this? And I'm like, I'm a business leader. We need to be confident in who we are in Christ. And we need to start by really understanding what Christ says over us. Who we are now in Christ. I would encourage you to read the start of Ephesians. It repeats, it repeats, it repeats. In him you are this. In him you are this. In him. That's my homework for you. Read Ephesians. The start of Ephesians. You don't have to read it all. In fact, read it all. But the start of Ephesians. In him. You need to go from here understanding who you are in Christ. And it releases the pressure of all those other things. All that you have inherited, all that you have achieved, all that you have designed. They can all be good things. But they are not your foundational sense of self. The place where you derive your value and your worth. Because that is found in the Bible. Okay, I'm going to ask you all to stand with me. And I think it's fair to say that the response here may not happen in this moment, but rather it will be made manifest as we live out our lives. And so as we go from here, I want you to be challenged about where you find your identity. Have you found it in your passport? Have you found it in what you have inherited? Have you found it in what you have achieved? Or have you found it in what you have decided to craft for yourself as your own identity? My challenge would be if you are a Christian here today, that if you find your identity and who you are in Christ, that you will have a trajectory and a velocity in your Christian walk that will empower you to live in the fullness of what God has for you. Okay, I'm going to pray, and then um, what we're going to do, I think a few of the guys are going to come up, and they're just going to lead us in a time of response. Father, I thank you for these young men and women. I thank you that they are in a, um, a time in their life where they're making decisions, um, and I pray that they would make good decisions. I pray that they would set a course for their life um, that would be following in your righteousness, following in your goodness, following what you have planned for them, and that they would find their identity in who you are. Thank you, Jesus.